Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, June 26th, 2022, from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 20. Um, We're talking for um, a few times this summer about a thing that comes up in the scriptures fairly often, and I've realized it happens a lot and very easily in life. At least it happens very easily in my life. Maybe I'm alone on that, but maybe I'm not. Maybe you can let me know if I'm not. But here's the phenomenon. Every now and then, when you're reading the scriptures, somebody will get a lot of grace from the Lord, and then what happens is somebody else gets mad about that. And, you know, it happens a lot. It happens a lot in the scriptures. It definitely happens in my life. Am I the only person that experiences something like that? Thank you. That's good. That's good. I thought I heard somebody say yes, and I was like, oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Yeah, okay, this is the thing that happens. Somebody gets hooked up, and then I feel some kind of way about that because maybe I didn't get that blessing, or maybe I didn't get that same grace, or maybe I just don't think they deserve it very much. And that's really not the way grace works, but that's the way we feel sometimes. We sing and talk a lot about amazing grace, but also there's this other side of it, which is from somebody else's perspective, it's an angering grace. You got hooked up, and I don't feel so good about that. Okay, so just to make sure we're kind of all on the same page, I'm going to make a couple statements. And if you've experienced this before, then just let me know. Let me know like with your voice out loud. Okay, here's the first one. Whatever I thought I was getting into with the life with Jesus, it's been different than I expected. Okay. Now, for some of you, you might think, like, I didn't know, like, having a life with Jesus, it's been a million times better than I ever expected in every possible way. And if that's your experience, that is so cool for you, man. (laughs) That's awesome. And I would also say, keep on living, okay? Keep on living. Let me know how that goes a little bit later down the road. For some of us, we'd say, like, I thought having a life with Jesus was going to be this, and it's been way different than I expected in some difficult ways, in some surprising ways. Okay, here comes another statement. My life has been a lot harder and more painful than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I look around this room and I don't know all of your stories, but I know enough of you well enough to know that we can all nod our heads and say amen to that, that in many specific ways, my life has been harder and more painful than I expected and anticipated it was going to be. More confusing, more difficult. Okay, last statement, then I'll make sure we're all on the same page. That person over there has it really, really easy, by the way. (laughs) Anybody feel that one? I wasn't specifically pointing at you, Brianna. That was, I was just pointing in your general direction, just Brianna and Cynthia over there. But like, like okay, so if you felt that thing before, a life with Jesus is different than I expected it was going to be. Walking with him has been different than I thought. My life has been a whole lot harder and more painful than I thought it was going to be. And that joker over there has got it so easy, their whole life is just like a downhill float on a cotton candy cloud of just a charmed life. They've just got it easy. So here's the deal. Those three thoughts all together, my life with Jesus is different than I expected. My personal life has been harder and more painful than I thought. And that bozo over there has got it so easy. That right there, my friends, is a recipe for resentment. You take those three ingredients, you mix them together, and you put them in a pan and shove that in your oven for, you know, 37 years at 350 degrees, and you're going to have a casserole of cranky. That's what that's going to (laughs) be. Bubbling, oozy, 
That's just going to be a big old casserole of crank right there. That is going, you're going to be resentful. I thought this morning, as I was thinking about this scripture and what I wanted to share with you this week, there was a time in the week when I was getting things ready and I thought, I'm going to share with them this cool secret to happiness that I found. I found a secret, not the secret to happiness, like not at all times in every way. If you do this thing, you're going to be happy. But, you know, maybe a secret to happiness. And as I've worked through it over the week, I've realized, no. This is, this is not that. It's not a secret to happiness, but it is something else. And it's, it's not that cool, but it is cool. I think I have found for you a way to short circuit your resentment. So maybe not a secret to happiness, but maybe a prerequisite to that. What if we could short circuit some of our resentment? Is that something that would be good? Okay, I think so too. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to look at this recipe of resentment that maybe, maybe a couple of us have dipped a toe in before. Um, my life with Jesus has been different than I expected. My life's been harder and more painful than I thought. And this dude over here just has it so easy. What do I do about that? There is a, there's a book that C.S. Lewis wrote during World War II, and there's a chapter in there where he says this thing that's very, very cool. He said, what people expect, they soon come to see as their own personal right. And then when they don't get that thing, that feeling of disappointment can be very easily turned into a sense of personal injury. Now, that was really cool stuff, and I'm going to say it again, just so that we all hear it. It's really, really cool. Whatever people come to expect, they start to see as their own right. Like, if I expect this, before you know it, I think I have a right to that thing. Anybody experienced that before? And then if that doesn't happen, that experience of disappointment, I very easily feel like I am now personally offended that I didn't get my right, which is really just something I expected to happen. Okay, all that being said, let's look at Matthew chapter 20 together. This is Jesus talking to his, his dudes. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. A denarius is just a certain amount of money that everybody agreed was, was what you would give somebody for a full day's labor. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, so an hour before quitting time in their culture, he went out and found still others just standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered, which is a pretty good answer. He said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came, uh, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a, den a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Okay, I was, I was talking to Tom about this this week, and he said a really, really helpful thing that I'm going to now steal, but I gave him credit. So, he said, it's a really important thing to do whenever you're reading the parables is like a story that Jesus told to illustrate some, some truth about himself, about you, about the kingdom of God. A really important thing to do is just read it. Just read it. Maybe read it a couple times and then ask yourself this question. How does that make me feel? That's a really, I thought that was a really cool piece of advice. You just read that and ask yourself the question, how do I feel now? So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you how you feel, but I want to change the point of view. Okay, let's start here. Let's say you are among those who were hired at 5 o'clock p.m. You got to work for one hour, and then you stood in line, and you got paid the money for an entire day's work. How do you feel? Awesome. You're like, I need to work here more often. This is absolutely great. I got paid an entire day's wages for doing an hour's work. This is awesome. Great Yelp review. Like, that is a really, really good situation. That, you would feel great about that. Okay, you got hooked up. Okay, let's change the point of view. You got hired at 6 a.m., you busted your tail all day long, you stood in line, you watched those bozos get paid an entire day's wages, and all of a sudden, the gears started turning, and you're like, and you're already spending money that like, you think is coming your way. You've already got like, you're, you're like, my Amazon wish list, I'm about to start knocking things off the list, because I'm about to have more cash than I thought I had in my hand. And then you get there, and you got the same thing they got. Now how do you feel? You feel some kind of way, right? I'm, I'm, I feel differently off that. I feel differently about that. I think that most people, when they read this story and they ask the, themselves the question, how do you feel? I think most people are probably going to put themselves in the position of the one who was hired first and worked all day. Because the way most of us feel about our life is, my life has been harder and more painful than I thought it was going to be. I think most of us see it that way. And I'm not even saying you're wrong. Like I said, I look around this room and just a cursory glance, and I see people that I've been with you in hospital rooms. We've held hands as you've wept. We've prayed over situations with money, with kids, with jobs, with broken relationships, cancer, disease, loss, just in this room. These people said a very interesting thing to the landowner. They said, you have made them equal with us, and we have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. In other words, working for you, it's been harder than we thought it was going to be. It's been hotter than we thought it was going to be. It's been heavier than we thought it was going to be. And other people, you just hook them up. You just hook them up. Their life is easy. I wonder, though, like, that person that, whoever, which I don't even know, when I asked you before, like, have you ever had that feeling of you look over there and that bozo's life is easy? I don't even know if you had somebody specific in mind. I, I don't know if you did, but probably you did. Can I tell you something about that person? That person also thinks they were the person hired at the beginning of the day. And that's because nobody knows your pain like you do. 
Most people probably feel like my life has been harder, hotter, and heavier than I thought it was going to be. And most people, when you look around, you see anybody's life you look at, you could find some piece of it where you think that person was hired at 5 o'clock and they got paid the same as me. Probably a good place for most of us to land in this story and to ask how we feel is to say, maybe I was that person hired at nine or noon. In other words, some people have had it harder than me, and maybe in some ways some people have had it easier than me. I know this, nobody knows my difficulty and pain the way I do, and I don't know anybody else's. There's a place in verse four where Jesus says, he says to the people that were hired at nine and at noon, the people kind of in the middle of the pack, and three, he says, come work for me, and I'll pay you whatever is right. There's an interesting thing about Jesus and about the economy of fairness and all this stuff that we need to look at in this story. And first, before we look at it, I want to answer a question that maybe nobody's asked yet, which is, why did Jesus tell this story in the first place? Okay, if you noticed, the very first word in this whole chapter was the word for. For the kingdom of heaven is like this, which begs the question, what, do you, what were you talking about before that? Like, da-da-da-da-da, this all happened, you know, yada-yada, and then, therefore, I'm going to tell you this story. Well, what's that there for? Like, what happened before that? Okay, Matthew chapter 19, a very interesting thing happened. Jesus and his guys are hanging out, and this dude rolls in who is like, maybe he's around Jesus' age, we know he was young, but he was unlike Jesus in every other way. He was loaded. He was powerful. He was politically connected. This guy had it all. The nice house, the nice car, chariot, whatever. And like the, he had all the stuff. He had all the money. He had all the influence and connections and everything. And he goes up to Jesus, who was a homeless, penniless peasant. And he says, you got to tell me how you do it. You got to tell me how I can find the kind of life that's oozing out of you. There's something about you that's different, some kind of like age abiding life, and I want to know how to have it. And Jesus is like, okay, well, tell me about your relationship with God. Like, you know, like the, the rules you keep to, you know, for, to, to be one of God's people, like, how you doing on those? And he names some of the Ten Commandments. And the dude is like, I'm, I gotta tell you, Jesus, I've been keeping those my entire life. Like, ever since I was a little dude, so from back in the day, I've been keeping all the rules. And Jesus is like, okay. So then he says a thing to kind of expose something in this guy, to show this guy that you don't really have a great idea of who you are, who you are yet. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everything you own, like all your vast possessions and your money and your stuff, and I want you to give it all away to charity. And then come follow me. And he's like, all the blood leaves the guy's face. He's like, oh, all my securities, all my stocks, all, my, all, all the stuff, the rainy day fund, and all the, where would I sleep, and where would I, and how would I eat, and how would I, I, I and it's like his brain melts, and, and he just walks away sad. He's like, I can't do that. So he exposes this thing in this guy. You're not ready. You really love all your stuff. You're not ready to follow me or whatever. So then Peter, of course, is the next person to speak up. And Peter says, behold, Jesus. He was not willing to leave anything for you. However, I have left everything for you. I have left it all. Therefore, what do I get? 
That's what happens at the end of Matthew chapter 19. And Jesus is like, dude, I, look, you leave stuff for me, you're going to find so much more, I promise you. Like, those who lay down their lives are going to find their lives. We talk about this kind of thing all the time. But let me tell you something. Every, this is not a meritocracy. This is not you do the most, you get the most, okay? This is, that's not the way my kingdom works. The economy doesn't work the way, the way it works for anybody else. He says, because even if you think you're first in line, here's something you need to know about my place. Those who are first will be last. You know, that's the last sentence in Matthew chapter 19. You know, the Bible didn't have chapter numbers for hundreds of years. Like, for, like until, I think, in the 400s. Isn't that right, Tom? It's like, in the 400s sometime, the Bible got chapter numbers. And then it didn't get verse numbers till the 1600s. So there was no, you know, nobody had like John 3.16 on a t-shirt or something until like the year 1600. I don't know if they had t-shirts, but like... <laughs> But there was no chapter numbers for hundreds of years. So if you were just reading this, this rich young guy comes talks to Jesus. Jesus exposes this thing. Peter runs his mouth. He says this thing to Peter. It's not what you think it is. The first will be last and the last will be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who hired people to work in his vineyard. This story is like a sandwich between those two things. The last thing in this story is the last will be first and the first will be last. The thing that happens before the story starts is the first will be last, the last will be first. This whole thing, when people get grace and you find yourself feeling all kinds of way about it, one thing you need to know is Jesus has a word for you, which is my kingdom does not run on your definition of fairness. So what do we need to do here? Because I got all this, I got this big Pyrex casserole full of resentment. What am I going to do with it? Just serve it up hot? Don't, please. Nobody wants it. I mean, some people don't want casseroles anyway, but that's not very popular in the South. But like, we don't want that one in any case. Okay, so what do we do? Okay, a couple of really cool things that I've noticed in reading this story all week long. One of them is, there's a verse where Jesus says, are, and, and I heard some mmms off this, so I know y'all thought it was cool. Jesus says, are you envious because I'm generous? That's a cool verse anyway, but it's even cooler than you think. Because it has the idea of like, you know, you're jealous that this person got hooked up and you think you didn't get something that was fair or whatever. Um, that, he really wasn't talking about jealousy or envy. When, it, when in the original language, when Jesus said, are you envious because I'm generous, it's not the word that's usually used for envy or jealousy. It's two words. He says, your eyes are bad. It's like ophthalmos or whatever. And they're like, your eyes are bad. That's what he says. Your eyes are bad because I'm generous. It's the same thing that Jesus said way back in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if your eye is healthy, your whole self will be filled up with light. But if, you're, if, if, if the light within you is darkness, it's a great and deep darkness. In other words, the way you see is everything. It determines so much about the way that you feel, about the way that you respond, about the way that you live. The way you see the world is extremely important. And he's saying to Peter, dude, the whole reason he told this story was for Peter, dude, you're seeing this thing all wrong. This, my definition of fairness is not your definition of fairness. You need to see things my way. Okay, so how would we see this Jesus' way? 
Here's another cool thing I learned reading this this week. Which, have you ever had one of those things where you read through a passage in the Bible and then somebody said, okay, read it again, but look for this. And you read it again, you're like, it's everywhere. I didn't even notice it. That is so cool. Okay, so the next time you read Matthew chapter 20, I want you to look for this. Look for personal pronouns. Things like, um, like pronouns of ownership. Personal pronouns of ownership, okay? So when the guy goes to hire workers, it says the landowner goes to hire workers for his vineyard. He owns it. And he says, hey, you, go work in my vineyard. Hey, you over there later on, you go work in my vineyard, just so we're clear. Hey, you guys have been standing around all day. What have you been doing? Nobody hired us. Okay, go work in my vineyard. Later on when people are grumbling, he says, don't I have the right to do whatever I want? This is my decision. Then he says, don't I have the right to do whatever I want with my money? It's everywhere. It's all over. This is like 16 little verses, and there's a whole lot of ownership. One guy owns stuff. It's my vineyard, he says. It's my right to do whatever I want to with, check it, my money. If I was going to change the way that I see this so that I could feel a different way, here's what I need to know. It's his kingdom, it's his call, it's his cash. That's where I need to start. It's his kingdom, it's his call, it's his cash. He does what he wants with his stuff. I don't always understand it, and if I'm going to be honest, sometimes I don't like it. But if I'm going to get to a different place about the way that I feel, I need to figure out, do I see it the way he sees it? Is his, it's his kingdom, it's his call, it's his cash. I think the most important question a lot of us need to ask ourselves, and I'm going to start with me, is, do I trust Jesus to do what he wants with his own stuff? I think that's our most important question. In getting to know Jesus... And what I know about him and what he's done for me, has he earned my trust so that I can look at whatever situation and say, Lord, it's your kingdom. It's your call. This is your cash. I don't know what I'm doing. I know my life has been harder and more painful than I thought it was going to be. I know I don't understand all that. I know that you have a plan, though, and I know that you're smarter than me. And I'm going to say, your kingdom, your call, your cash. Last little cool thing that I learned reading this this week, and this is my favorite part, um, just because for me it's a nerdy little thing that I think is cool. There's a thing in the beginning of the story when Jesus said he went out to hire these people and it said they agreed to work for a denarius, a certain amount of money. And then later in the story when they grumbled and then he goes back to one of them and he says, friend, we agreed that you would work for this. Okay. In the original language, that word that we've translated agree is the Greek word symphonesis. Does that sound like anything? Symphonesis. What does that sound like? Symphony. That's like the coolest thing in the world. Okay, I know this is really nerdy for me, but a symphony, like literally the Greek words, it means we're making sound together. That's what the word means. Symphony means we're sounding off together. They're singing the same song. They're harmonizing. He said, hey, you agreed. We're singing the same song. You agreed to come work for this. 
We were on the same page, harmonizing together. I love symphony orchestras. I think it's the coolest thing in the world, especially when you see a big honking symphony orchestra and they're all doing it really well and they're all playing different things and then it comes together to make this beautiful deal. One time when, when Christy was pregnant with Jack, uh, she took me to Nashville to the Skimmerhorn Concert Hall in downtown Nashville to see one of my favorite symphonies in the world, which is by this Czech composer named Dvorak and it's called the New World Symphony. It's really, really awesome. But what was cool was Christy got us tickets in the choir loft. We were behind the orchestra. I was like two feet away from this armada of trombones, which to play the New World Symphony great, you got to have a lot of trombones. And we were right there, and we were facing the conductor. Like the conductor was right where Mark Vowell is. And we were sitting there, so it means everybody that was coming to see the symphony, we were like, hi, how you doing? And we were facing them, they were facing us. And there were 64 people in the orchestra. I counted them. And they're all doing all this stuff. Okay, if you've never seen the symphony, what happens at a concert is, for the first half of it, they play all kinds of different pieces of music. And, you know, it's like by this composer, that composer, you may hate it. They're trying to expose some stuff to you. I'm not a big Brahms guy. Who is? And, like, and so they played a Brahms piece or whatever. That's not really what we're here for. And then at the, at the end of that, then they played the symphony you came to hear. So the whole time the conductor's, you know, turning his pages and everything, and he's conducting all these people, and they're all symphonizing. They're all harmonizing, singing the same song together, right? He's turning the pages. He's reading it. He's leading them and everything. And then all the Brahms and all the other nonsense was over. He folds up his big conductor's book, and he grabbed his podium, and he moved it away from him. And I was like, what's going on? And then I realized, he has this bad boy memorized. And then I realized, this is nerdy, y'all. Bear with me. This dude loves this music as much as I do. <laughs> he moves the podium out of the way. I kid you not. He closed his eyes, took in a breath, and counted them off. And off we went. It was the coolest thing in the world. And I think the heart of Jesus to us is, hey, I came after you, I loved you, I saved you, I gave my blood for you. Have I earned your trust? Will you trust me that I know what I'm doing in my kingdom, with my calls, with my cash? Have I earned your trust yet? And if I haven't, can we keep walking together until I do? Because I know what I'm doing with you, and I know what I'm doing with everybody else. Would you trust me? My last little thing is, um, I think about this week and I think about this year and I think about the stuff that all of us are going through and reading and thinking about and I think more than ever, I need your help on this, I think more than ever, we in this room and we with the people in our lives, we need to learn how to listen to each other. We need to learn how to listen to each other and how to talk to each other. We need to learn how to take care of each other. We need to learn how to sit down with people and listen to their confusion and their pain and their hurt. We need to learn how to ask good questions. We need to learn how to take care of each other. Amen? Amen. And we are never, ever, ever going to be able to do that until we learn how to see each other. And we're not going to be able to see each other until we let Jesus make his calls and his kingdoms with his cash so that we don't look around and judge anybody else and think that they've got it easier than we do. We don't have to make that call, y'all. Our job is to take care of each other. Our job is to listen to each other. Our job, and it starts, I believe, with trusting the one who has, I think, earned our trust. I know he's earned my trust. I know I don't give it all the time, and I know I don't listen all the time, but I believe he has. In his kingdom, making his calls with his own cash, 
Has he earned your trust? And if he hasn't, will you give him a chance this week and talk to him about it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance that we've had to be together, to sing together, hopefully to open our heart to you. I'm praying, Lord, that you would open us up to the possibility, even in the midst of some of our confusion and our hurt and our questions, to open our heart to the possibility that um, we need to let you make some calls and we need to make fear of them. And um, we need to probe this question of, has Jesus earned my trust to do what he wants in his own place with his own stuff? Lord, you have earned our trust. You've loved us like nobody else has. Help us to recognize it and help us to turn our hearts to you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. When I needed rescue out of deep, deep water, there you were. When I called out to you after running farther, there you were. You're in front of me, you're behind me. No matter how far I fall, you're